All right, welcome back, guys, to the Friends Against Government podcast. This is episode 44, I believe. Cuckoo! Uh, yep, we've got a very special guest. We've got Monica Perez, who hosts the Tarasso Radio Show in Atlanta, as well as a podcast. Uh, Monica, how's it going? It's awesome. How are you guys? How was your Thanksgiving? Good. Mine was great. I uh, worked. ate a lot of food, drank <laughs> quite a few beers, and... Um, you know, had a great old time. Yeah, well, good for you, man. Good that you had a good old time. I, I, I had to brave. You know that Black Friday actually starts on Thanksgiving nowadays. It's not even. It's not even in its so own Friday rude. anymore. That's so rude. Yeah. It is. <laughs> so that's what I was doing. Yeah, I was. I think we were texting back and forth, and you were. At, weren't you at work like Thanksgiving night? <laughs> I think I went into work at five, and I, I messaged at two a.m. Just ah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I got. That's so uncool. I it's mean, that's cool. when you want to start letting your hair down, and it's, un- uh, it's uncool. That's when it's... I roll out my le- uh, uh, bring out the holiday cocktails. Oh my! Wow, I mean, what that's, a segue! That's when it really starts happening. That's that's the segue. That's the segue of a true professional. That was the best <laughs> segue I've ever heard. That's not me and Bird blundering through our way through an episode. That that was that was planned. Executed like a professional. Wow. Well, it wasn't planned, but I knew that you that the only thing that uh, that I can talk about that has any kind of lighthearted <laughs> atmosphere is the cocktails, that's, and of course, that's uh, a result of the reason that's my only other hobby besides doing terrestrial radio and a news show is that that stuff is so scary that I have to uh, whatever use something like the craft cocktails to get myself. Right. Man, I'm yeah, really impressed yeah. by the segue. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Okay, so so we uh, uh, when we were DMing back and forth, uh, Monica, you said you have uh, w- at least one very very special cocktail. So why don't we why don't we kick it off with that and uh, and then we'll we'll see where we end up. And I'm sure we're just going to end up spiraling out of control somewhere. Well, I have so many of these cocktails, and uh, actually, I had. I had started posting them. I have two, I had, have two blogs, websites, and I used to worry about introducing the my craft cocktail hobby because I feel like I say such scary things anyway on my shows that I, like my podcast and my radio show, that the last thing I want is to kind of make people, well, you know, she's probably half in the bag. <laughs> so... But I so I started introducing these cocktail recipes because they're they're just great. Some I invent, some I discover. But WordPress shut down all of my blogs. They tricked me into uh, hanging myself. But and I can happy to tell you about that. But yeah. uh, so I'm going to tell you the single greatest and simplest cocktail. Well, ever. well, we'll be the judge of that. But you can. <laughs> I, yeah, I am an expert. It's my favorite cocktail. I am an expert cocktail drinker. Uh, so you're going up against the best in the class here. <laughs> oh, see, that's what I love. I love people who can really appreciate it. The, the one I made last night was super complicated. It was called the Wood in the Fire. Okay. And uh, it was it name. was launching the Christmas season. It has like this thing from Switzerland that takes like tastes like pine needles, gin orange blossom water it has a uh, velvet falernum if you've never had that it is, is so that? okay delicious it's from barbados it's sweet it tastes like bananas but it's not made from t- bananas and this this cocktail it's just it tastes like drinking a christmas tree but it's complicated and Jesus. i don't want to bog people down with that so i'm going to tell you the go-to drink that hmm. you can remember you can remember the recipe and you can make it all the time it's awesome it's this you ready okay all right yep. it's called the tom and jerry 
which is how I discovered that the Tom Collins, it's like a Tom Collins without the soda, but what you have to use, yes, but you have to use old Tom gin, which yes. I did not realize that that must be where those drinks got their names. So I take this old Tom, uh, my, the brand is Ransom, like they're holding up for Ransom. Uh, it's Ransom Old Tom, it's fresh squeezed lemon juice, and it's simple syrup, which is just water and sugar boiled together mm. until it, like just microwave it until it turns clear. And, and the proportions are five parts gin, two and a half lemon, yes. one and a half simple syrup, and you just make a couple of batches in advance. <laughs> wow, yeah. And then uh, serve it straight up, and it's it's awesome. It's all you really need. All the other things are like variations on that, or and what's too it called? Complicated to worry about. That's just called a Tom and Jerry. Okay, maybe that hits you over the head with the frying pan. I'm not sure. That's awesome. That's a that's great. Uh, the I think the worst part of the Tom Collins is the soda. <laughs> yeah, this is what I say. Just I, I'll go to a bar and I, the what are you drinking? Anything that does not have ice or bubbles. Right. <laughs> so, oh, you yeah. don't like ice. I well, I, I shake it on ice first, and then I strain it. Yeah, I don't like ice in my drink either. You gotta make them. Is yeah, that you right? Make them Neither small. of you do. Yeah, no. you gotta make them small and drink them fast, <laughs> but that way they don't get diluted. I feel but like I I'm, have. You pay so much money for a cocktail, and if you put in ice, it you're just drinking a slushy. I, I, I want. And you actually have to drink it faster, yeah. so it doesn't get diluted. Yeah, but I would argue, I would argue, get to drink it faster. And the other thing <laughs> that I like to do, I like chewing on the ice, which I know is so stupid. Yeah, but, but get I, a little. That's why I like ice in my drinks. Get a bowl of ice. You you never got a bowl of yeah, ice. Yeah, I can't help you. I with got that. that, but see now, now I got two containers <laughs> that I'm running around. Now I have no free hands. Whereas if I just put the ice in the drink, yeah, it's it solves you all, are, my, all. You are all my you are you are damaging the you are damaging the the actual cocktail though when you do that. Well, there are some cocktails that call for it, and there's some cocktails that oh, really? I'll shake it over ice and pour it over a giant ice cube to mm. maintain the temperature, but not dilute it. That's what that giant ice cube does. I'm so right. thirsty. So there's different things. <laughs> I am so thirsty now for that. Dude, you don't understand. I just moved to a different house this week, so I'm like a major stress case. Not far away, just like a mile away, but... Uh, and I realized I have way too many of three things. I started collecting light bulbs. I didn't mean to, but I just was worried because okay. those fluorescents drive me crazy. So I have like just jillions of boxes of light bulbs. What do you mean collect? Wait, like you I display them? them? I just bought a bunch of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> you don't... Way too many. More than that's easy to do, actually. Because and here's why. And I'll tell you why. Because I just went through this. I just moved about six months ago as well, or four months ago or so. And and I'll tell you why. Is because you get lured in to the big box. They lure. There is nothing yes. that lures you into quantity like light bulbs. I just found out. <laughs> and I have the oh same issue because I also hate fluorescents. I think they lead to my migraines. I think they like help. Yes. Like, are are part of the problem. So yes. I went the, as soon as I moved into this place, you know, I went and replaced them all with like the low energy LED with the soft lighting. And man, A, that's been great. But B, yeah. I have a shitload of light bulbs. And, You're and a soft mechanic. lighting kind of guy. That's a, that's I'm a you. soft, I'm a mood lighting guy. I got mood a lighting guy. guy. Bird, yeah. bird, I am constantly in the mood. Let me well, tell you that. Okay. <laughs> well, <I have laughs> mood glasses as well. It's many of those. But the, the light bulb thing, it's also that scarcity <laughs> idea. When they stopped making them, I was like, oh, I have to stockpile. I have to hoard. And uh, right. that I just had too much space in my old house and I could just cram it in place. But I also have like, I must have a thousand books. And I realized like, I can't get rid of the books. I love them too much. I can't throw away even, 
A few I would throw in the garbage because they're just total disinformation. That I absolutely, just a few. And I felt like a book burner, but they were disinformation. Right. And right. then the other thing I have is like a hundred or at least a dozen of every glass imaginable for like huh. different. Uh, my husband had a case of glasses. He has the same problem I do. He had a case of glasses, not Pinot Noir glasses, Oregon Pinot Noir glasses. I. I, I'm so far out of my league. I, Monica, yeah, I don't know I what that is. My move is drinking <laughs> box wine out of a stadium cup. So like, I, this know. is just not a, a, a thing that I'm familiar with. I'm I, not I'm, a big wine fan. I don't even wine, know what that is. The wine glasses him. That's, it's like you Stay said something and you wanted it to be a punchline, but we're too uncultured. We're like, what is, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. No, my husband laughs at me because he's like, you're such a nerd. I was watching some show. He's like, and I started laughing. It was an old movie. I started laughing. He's like, what was funny there? I said, what the Archbishop said. I was just so clever. And he was like, oh my God. I thought I mar married a party girl and I married a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm both. I'm both. It's it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Bert and I always have that discussion about the books because he's a big Kindle guy. And I'm like, I need oh, no. I need the what? physical book and I need it in my hands. No. I can't handle a Kindle. I can't. Ha it's so weird because yeah. I, I detest books. I pick up oh. a book. I look at it. Ugh, I put it down. I look and I try to get it on Amazon. <laughs> I, I hate oh, I, them. I just hold the book sometimes and go to sleep with it in my hand. Oh, like, no. <laughs> no, I can't do that. There's something about books I don't like. I don't know. I don't know well, what it is. You can save a lot on rent if you don't have 10 giant bookcases full of books. That's like true. That. Although one day I would like to kind of rack up a library. Just a big old like like three big old shelves full of books that I probably haven't read, but we'll get yeah. to yes. someday. Yeah, it's like yeah. the guy who buys the guitar. Yeah, and he says he can play the guitar because he owns the guitar. <laughs> it's, like, it's not the same. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I I like the physical books. I like having them. But I agree. But when we were talking, there I have so much little small periods of downtime. That I could, if I had the Kindle on my phone, if I had a book on my phone, I could be crushing a few pages rather than, I don't know, God knows what, you know, just staring off into space or arguing with some shitbird on Twitter or, or what have you. Like, I could just be crushing pages rather than dicking around. Yeah, I do that sometimes. I, but I think podcasts have kind of taken the place of that. Yeah, I think. that's true. Because you can do so much. Like, it's hands-free. Like, if you have the, you can walk your dog or drive someplace or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That, uh, speaking of which, that this is something that we discuss quite a bit. We have had a number of people who, with exposure to pirate radio on, um, and I was telling you a little bit before this, is that I have a huge affinity for radio um, in all forms. Uh, I'm, I'm an amateur radio operator, and I also have, since birth, have just been uh, enamored with the idea of broadcast radio, I, you know, for, for whatever that's worth. Um, and I, I am curious about your, because you, be, before we started recording, you said you do have a podcast that's separate from yeah. your broadcast. And I, and I'd like to just get like, go through a little bit because pirate radio is even different than broadcast radio. I mean, it is broadcast, but it's not commercial broadcast or, or, or what have you. There, there's no conformance. There's no, it, it could just as well be a podcast. I'm curious what you had to do or maybe, Let's start with why you got into it or, or how you got into it. Or did you have an interest in radio prior to that? Or, Absolutely or like not. No, it's it's could not be further from what uh, is natural to me. I was an investment banker 
way back when I had kids, my oldest son has Down syndrome and it kind of, then I had two more kids after that and I, it just wasn't realistic for me to go back into finance. Although I toyed with the idea and I got like, this is another nerd thing. I got the CFA, which is like a three year yep. financial credential. I got that kind of in my while I was home because I hoped to go back into that business eventually. And I thought it would keep me fresh, give me a credential. And while I was doing that, like studying for that really was so stimulating intellectually, mentally. That's when I started uh, just, I don't know, analyzing everything, understanding things and became realized uh, that society was self-ordering and this is all bull and the left, right, um, you know, the Democrat Republican thing is, is mm -hmm. a scam, all that stuff. I just, my mind was going a million miles an hour. So I, during that time I went to a, a wedding and I sat next to a radio producer at W a, a radio producer at WSB, which is where I have my show. And I was just like talking a mile a minute about the, 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 the truth, the reality of, libertarianism and that society itself where I was like, you know, back in the day, uh, you were, no one even questioned the existence of God. Like nobody could even really, really get their mind around that as a question. And now no one questions the necessity of a, of a territorial monopoly coercive government. But, but why not? Why couldn't we do it? And she was just like, oh my gosh. So she wasn't like wowed by what I was saying. She was wowed by how much I could say without anyone else saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you know how hard it is? So she could you talk to a wall? I said, ask my husband. <laughs> he was like, yeah, I never answer her. So uh, I, she really, she said, could you do that? And she introduced me to her boss and they gave me kind of on air audition at midnight. And it was it was easy in that way uh, to do it. But I always, always had stage fright, terrible, terrible anxiety about it for, I've been doing it for seven years. And until my producer Binkley joined me, uh, who's like got, he's an improv coach and he has acting experience and stand up and stuff like that. And he was very good at helping me manage that. And now I enjoy it, but it was really fur furthest from my natural thing. And then, uh, but I, what is natural to me is preparation. So I are so totally overprepared for every single solitary show, mostly because the mainstream audience who listens to me on WSB, which is the number one talk radio news talk station in the country. I mean, it's got a big audience. They're very mainstream, uh, in this case, conservative. And they are really listen to Rush all day, listen to Fox News. And when I, I I'm... They don't they like my economics, you know, they like my politics in that way. They're not crazy about uh, anti-war stance, but because they they had this Fox News mentality mindset or information stream, I had to be completely aware of everything they were saying. They were going to say they were going to answer me because it's a call in show. I was constantly batting back people who like would give me spew to me what what they heard earlier and if i were going to say something different from that i really had to know not only what they were saying but what i was saying what i had to say and that brought some originality to the show which is why ultimately they wanted me to have a show purely for the originality of it just hearing something that they, uh, people weren't hearing elsewhere so i had a ton of material and if i got a lot of calls or no calls it would 
you know, I'd have more or less of the material left. So then Binkley and I, my producer, started just trying to do a podcast to get more of that out there because there was so much good work. And then he has his own interests and and he would have more time to bring me some of the stuff that he found when he's like investigating the movements on the left, which I have no stomach for. So he would bring me crazy clips of what they were plotting. And so it, it's a different feeling completely with the podcast, but it really wasn't meant to be originally. So there's, so I have the terrestrial show, which really has its own character. And then the podcast where I feel like I can just do whatever I want and Binkley can do what he wants. Yeah, that's, I mean, the, the, the podcast seems to bring like a lot of, flexibility and and uh as it as it as a format increases in popularity um i i wonder like there i will always have a place for broadcast radio in my heart but i i definitely wonder how that's going to how that yeah i can tell you i can give you some insight into that um i think is yes there's going to be that first of all the big problem with the big benefit of podcast is the clock not having to watch the clock for the right. commercials and everything because those breaks it's really hard to like start and stop and wind things up and then take calls and sometimes break for traffic or whatever you really have to get good at it and i would i said <laughs> i tell my boss i was like i just got good at this and you're gonna you know you just get good at the calls and some of the now some of the radio hosts on terrestrial radio don't even take calls anymore mm-hmm. uh, and and that is actually, I think, where it's moving to where it's kind of feels more podcasty. It's a little more zoo-like and you can have more control over your time. Then I would have nothing left on the cutting room floor if I never had to field a call. But a call is that monkey wrench that somebody can throw. So somebody's listening and they say, ah, she's full of it or she sounds smart, but we must have war. So she has to be wrong, you know, and they're waiting for someone to call and tell me how I'm wrong, how I should be terrified and drop bombs on little kids and whatever. And so they wait for that call. The call comes. And if I answer it well, then the people on my side, you know, it's kind of a home run and they get excited. And that's that is a really uh, an element to terrestrial radio that I think makes it interesting and fun i know you can do that kind of stuff on youtube it's just i mean for me it's easy because they i have a studio and they just plug me in and they do all the work for me there Mm -hmm. but but i think that one of that the like doing away with the calls is part of this kind of moving more towards the podcasty feel yeah yeah i wonder i wonder if calls will be uh, integrated more into podcast or or Mm -hmm. some some form as because even still I don't want to say this is clunky, but it, it it still kind of is. And there and there there's always difficulty. There's always another element of difficulty when people are 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 based in different locations. Like you know, we're in three different states, and and there is some element of trust over the 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 internet connection, and and you know, occasionally it lags and whatever. It's it's, it's still pretty clunky, um, and to some degree, podcasters typically, I mean, typically, obviously, don't are are a, a squad of people that don't necessarily have the uh, resources available to them that uh, broadcasters have, you know, somebody manning the lines or some, you know. Somebody- right. And, and beyond that, it's if you do a terrestrial show on a popular radio station in a big city, there's like two or three radio stations, you and you're doing it live. So you've got 40 or 100 or 
400,000 people listening at once, calling at once, where, where the beauty of the podcast is it isn't live. You can listen to it when you want to. So there's almost a natural resistance to that. But but one of the great things about the calls is when you start saying things that get a little crazy. So whatever I just said, I said I made some very general statements about my audience and the listener and uh, if we were on WSB right now, people would call and say, who do you think you are? I, I don't fit the profile that you just described. Defend yourself. And half the time, like say, generalizing like that isn't my style. Half the time I would say, hey, you're right. You're right. I have no idea who you are. That was my impression. It was, you know, you really, they hold your feet to the fire in a way that, uh, that helps discipline you and over time you get better at it because of that so there's real benefits to it i mean maybe this is too much inside baseball but i just feel like no no i i'm, I'm really really fascinated in this the, the, going like in 40 years if i'm lucky enough to be around looking back at 2005 to 2035 the broadcast of information the sharing of information from people to people is going to be a fascinating fascinating thing to study we're going from well, you know, yeah, but what happens to me on WordPress is a sign of very bad things to come. And YouTube, I've been demonetized on YouTube. They took one of my, they took down YouTube, took down a show of mine that was broadcast on WSB. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. So, and and WordPress took me down not only my site, but but the site I do for my podcast with my producer, which had nothing to do with they. I mean, it's a long story, and I did a whole show, and I'm, I'm happy to tell you, but um, I, I'll just, in brief, that, you know, that whole, like, Alex Jones, Noah Posner thing, and he's a Sandy Hook denier, and he should be banned yep. from whatever. There was, I, do you remember when Noah Posner's picture was broadcast by the BBC under a different name as a victim of the Pakistan school massacre? Yes. yes, I, I actually okay. do remember that. Yeah. So I posted that on my site and I and my blog post was called This is Crazy. Yeah. And it was three pictures of, of the BBC and other places reporting this kid as somebody else. And I said, I don't know what's going on. I, maybe this is an experiment to see how fast misinformation or disinformation can travel the world. There's something weird going on here. There's no way the BBC doesn't know this iconic photo. This is ridiculous. So that's all I said. And they started sending me emails like, oh, no, Posner's father wants you to take that picture down. And I took one of the pictures down and uh, it said, it's, it's, it's Lenny, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they said, yeah, so we, yeah you are not the, the only person to have this problem. Constantly harassed by the guy. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I was going to, so I, I didn't care. I was going to take it all down. But then Twitter sent me, not Twitter, WordPress sent me an email saying, we have defended your right, uh, other people's right to do the same thing. This is the statute we think protects you. And these are our experiences successfully defending people. And uh, so if you don't want to take down the picture, don't. So I expected the worst. That, I said, okay. So the worst that could happen was that they would make me take down the picture or take down the picture for me. They booted me from WordPress. I, have a, I had a business account with them. Uh, so I had Reliance, all my old shows, everything. And it, it is a bunch of mush right now. Like I, I, I saved it. They're like, you have a week to get every single thing off of this. I saved it. It might as well be a Morse code. It is so, uh, anyway, so uh, between that, how much harder it is since the Parkland massacre or whatever it was on Valentine's Day of this year, it is so much harder to search. YouTube shuts me down. WordPress, and I'm I am on regular radio. 
Like, I'm not saying crazy things at all, but they, I trip their flags. They don't like my topics and stuff. And, uh, and that's why I feel like the, the wonders of the internet, the beauty of gig broadcasting hmm. or whatever, like it's going to be, uh, it's, it, I didn't think they were, DARPA was giving us the internet and, uh, just waiting to see what happened. You know, <laughs> I think they knew they knew that they were going to have to claw it back, and I think they're doing it. And people aren't really noticing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's there's certainly bizarre stuff going on. I, I am hopeful. You know, to me, I, I think that we're getting to the point where um, protocols and technologies exist for a a massive move towards decentralized things. And uh, and I, I I wonder sometimes if we're past the tipping point where if there's enough motivation, it's going to push people towards it and just increase the popularity of those things. Um, I, I hope that we are. I, I have no idea if we are or are not. And I don't know how the, the years will play out. But it, it certainly seems to me that we are rounding some sort of corner and ultimately I, I you know, my my mantra is markets will beat socialism and I. I I yeah. think that the ingenuity of man is very, very difficult to suppress. Um, and <laughs> that's a great point. I always think that, like that, you put it in those terms, like the uh, you no know, water is going to find its level. I think it's a coast theorem, like the, the resources get into the hands of the person who will use it best. Like things, markets triumph even in even within socialism. And actually, I think I fall into a trap. This is me peeling the onion probably one layer too far, but <laughs> I fall into a trap where I am like, oh, forget it. Trump's an actor. You people fall for this. Like everything's hopeless. It's all under control and blah, blah, blah. Uh, that I I generate um, like complacency because you feel like, what can you do about it? If I when I say things like, ah, uh, I figured they they gave it to us knowing they're going to claw, claw it back. But it's if it's truly a limited hangout, what they're hanging out there, they ha it has to have some power or, you know what I mean? There's risk in a limited hangout. And oh, sure. And Absolutely. And, and, what's it's, hanging out. and it's dynamic and, and it's not a, a snapshot. It, there are always going to be people looking, you know, the, as much as as we're. In, in a top-down sort or in, in a hierarchical, excuse me, hierarchical sort of way, as much as we constantly harp on the fact that oh, the top is trying to exploit the bottom, uh, you know, political class or, or whatever against the merchant class or what have you, you know, the merchant class is just trying to do the same thing. I mean, that, oh, that's yeah. a bunch of actors trying to use resources to gain advantage, and that's really exciting. I, I'm, you know, it's I, I am to the extent that in speaking really, really broadly, that if you kind of look at you know whatever the american experiment or or whatever this is being kicked off two and a half two you know 200 250 years ago um and ultimately the arc leading to individual sovereignty uh, uh, you know as i would like to see it as i think everybody would like to see it end up as um i'm i'm thoroughly excited to be a ball carrier I don't know if you know. I certainly wasn't there at the beginning on the one yard line pushing forward, and I'm and and I probably won't be there for the touchdown. But I'm excited to be a ball carrier along the way. A couple of things. One is uh, I totally agree that that or you're right that dynamism they can't predict and control that. 
And, uh, and for me, I don't even elevate myself to ball carrier. I just think of myself, and this is, again, like where that negativity is, maybe bad thing. I, even though I'm an anarcho-capitalist, for sure, and when I first started doing the show, the terrestrial radio show, I was a little concerned because I thought absolutely no one's going to relate to this. I'm <laughs> like not even interested in the Constitution because I, I think self-limiting government is a utopian fantasy and it can't work and it's not going to work. So let's just skip to the next chapter. But <clears throat> I classify myself now. I kind of uh, decided to be a can kicker because yeah. the Bill of Rights is one of those things that allows that dynamism to function that if they take away your bill of the the rights and the bill of rights then i mean it was really a genius list they you can't function that's that's the thing it's not taking away the internet or whatever it's it's this shocks people it's what happened to bill cosby is like the worst thing he's like he lost four of his of his rights under the Bill of Rights, like four different amendments were violated, at least in his case. And people are all worried about Kavanaugh and Bill Cosby. No matter what happens to him, it's too good. But what we're what's so important is that I think is is that that the liberty we have under those allows us to maybe get ahead of them that maybe your dynamism can really work as long as we're free to act. And that, so you are a ball carrier. I'm a can kicker. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't mean to elevate myself. I think, you know, I, I think that, that anybody that's, that's doing something uh, to, to, to push either themselves or those around them towards individual right, sovereignty right. is yes. some kind of ball carrier, right? Maybe I'm yeah. like an like an offensive tackle, like not a skill position. Just I'm just out there, like wow, what a really shouting out the offensive tackle, saying they're not a skill. I position. know. I mean, literally, wow. I'm so bad at the sports reference. I'm I'm girl like in this way. I can handle nicknames, but I cannot <laughs> handle sports analogies because I'm I I think my first one of my first shows I said yeah it's like when you make it to the hundredth yard line oh gosh like yeah, there's no hundredth yard that line. is a, that's like, a nice way to say it totally he's like mm, never mind <laughs> yeah. so yes but I, I I agree and actually I like that because I really get um I feel like it's uh, it gets discouraging because it what really discourages me is how committed people are say the 120 million voters go out there and vote and they are i would say almost all of them are totally completely buy in to the democrat republican psyop and i i get discouraged by that and i feel like what is the point i mean if if most of the most active people in the country are playing right into the hands I, you know, maybe you think I'm wrong, and then and then I think that it really is a show. Oh no, I, I think okay. you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's the welfare warfare super state, and it does. I mean, Donald Trump signed the biggest budget of all time, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't even know that for sure because it was not covered at all. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, know? I mean, yeah. Why? Why? But is also, that not covered? but then also, it's like, and, and I don't know if this is something that that you've considered and and <clears throat> turn away from or or. Uh, are are considering or have never considered? I have no idea. But I mean, th this is something that I find very appeal appealing about you know, agorism or agorism is that it's it's really just individual action and and, and 
avoidance of the state or or undermining of the state through counter economics. And it, it, it gives you something that you can do that's tangible, dodge attacks, say, or or something that just allows you to, to somewhat drop out. You will not be able to drop out entirely. I mean, no, nobody alive today, I, I don't I don't think will, but I, I hope to be wrong about that. But um, to just decrease your interaction with the state and and uh, and decrease capital flow to it. Uh, it get, you know, it, it gives people something to tangibly extract and, and to and to um, and progress to feel. Well, I have a few things to say. Did you have you ever heard of or read uh, the book by Harry Brown, How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World? Yes. Big Harry Brown fan. Yes, that's very liberating. Uh, I, I, I think the greatest barrier to uh, that. Uh, is it agorism or agor? It's agorism. So that, we've yeah. never found out. We still yeah. Don't know. I think so. I, I when he had a we had a guy on who's who's a, a big time agorist, and he was saying that Sam Conkin says agorist, and so I I would defer to Sam Conkin, but I've always called it agorist because that's the agorist. Yeah. So I think the biggest barrier to that is Obamacare because it's the only thing I can think of. Even the selective service uh doesn't make every single person register. Social Security you only register if you're working, but Obamacare, you have to register, right? Every single solitary well, person has to register. Well, you don't have to file taxes, and that. I, the, uh-huh. So, for instance, the guy that that came on doesn't file, and and so, I, I mean, could they go to his house? Yeah, absolutely. But I, it's I think, not illegal not to file taxes. It is illegal not to register for Obamacare, right? Is that right? I, I didn't. I thought that that's how they knew, or or I, I don't. I, it frankly, might be I don't how they enforce it. it. It might be how they enforce it. But right. I'm just saying. There's a there's a thing now. Sure, sure, sure. Makes sure. you have to register, and it never happened before. And it's based on that, in my opinion, that makes it the profoundly un-American. But I do like the idea of just acting as an individual, a la Harry Brown. I thought if if every if people are like what are you going to do? What are you going to do? If everybody if everybody stopped voting, the system would collapse in a day. You, th- I, I actually disagree with you there. I, I don't really. Think- yeah, I, I I don't think that's accurate. I, or oh, I don't. Do I it's not it? my belief that it is. Go. Uh, I I just don't think that I, I don't think that the powers that be give a shit if you if you vote or not. I, I think that there are I there are that, a lot of unelected positions. I mean, yeah, I mean they'll just keep going. Yeah, it's going to go away because everybody doesn't show up to vote. Yeah. No, here's okay. Here's what I'm thinking, and then you can still uh, okay. I, I still want to. So uh, Bashar Assad had a 95 percent. Uh, won the last election by 95%. Hmm. And nobody takes it seriously because there was nobody running against him or something like that. So he's considered illegitimate by the people who use that argument. So for us, if, if, if nobody voted, then who would be, I, 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 what I will totally stipulate you guys or agree with you is that it might not actually change anything, but Mm -hmm. they would have to, actually put the boots on the necks of some people a few more people than they have to right now because most of of the 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 democratic process the voting gets people to consent and go along with you know what i mean it gets them to not resist i I, I couldn't agree more that it is a powerful psychological tactic to make people feel that they have something i couldn't disagree with that i would argue i think i would argue that it's sort of 
It's almost the same if you have a candidate who gets elected by 95% when no one was running against him. It's the same situation where nobody is voting. I I mean, really, if you look at it, it's the exact same situation. Sorry, finish your sentence. It's just, it seems like it would be the exact same situation that Bashar al-Assad would just continue ruling. The the guy that they broadcast over all the FCC-owned channels that says this guy, I, I mean... No, but let me just say this. Let me ask you this question. So Hillary and Trump are, uh, it's 2016, it's election day, and no one votes at all. One, oh. one two people, three people vote, two vote for Trump, and one votes for Hillary. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have the, I think Trump president. Oh, no, I, 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 I mean, I'm not operating under the assumption that that votes are accurate or anything like that. I, I think that, that CNN will come on the next day and say, hey. 55% of people voted for Hillary or Trump or who cares because <laughs> it doesn't really matter or, and and, wh- and whatever. I mean, it, uh, the, 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 the beat goes on. Or, oh, yes. Okay. Let me qualify that. I am not suggesting that 120 million people actually vote. It is possible that only three people voted. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm my, that's my greater point is that it doesn't yeah, matter okay. when you control the information anyway. What about or this? What about this? Uh, how about in... In this specific situation, the system is set up in a way that if everyone didn't vote, the actual House representatives still get to vote for the president. So this system, is, it's, is it has all the fail-safes of a system right. that they tell you you have power over. But really, I mean, at the end of the day, like if participation just... Now, if tax participation stopped something, it would be different. Oh, right. But if With voting participation... That was the worst thing. The withholding tax, you know, made uh, you can't have tax protesters. Could you imagine having people come up to the IRS with 50 percent of their dollars in a suitcase every April 15th? Right. Yeah, right. Right. So, okay, interesting. Yes, I I, I have to say, uh, yeah, I think that's right. I think you're right. That's that's now. Now, now I will say to argue the other side real quick, I I will say if the non-voting is representative of everybody's collective disbelief in the system. (laughs) Then there's going to be nobody to run the switches, so to speak. So, so yes, I yeah, mean, exactly. Yeah, if, if literally, if zero people voted, including the head of the CIA, because he no longer believes in government, then yeah, I <laughs> well, mean, yeah. It, it would cease to exist because it 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 isn't anything. It's just a collective belief, and once that collective belief is gone, there is nothing left. Well, but I, but actually, you've got me convinced now that it, it would just. They, they're probably ready for it anyway. So I yeah. think that the internet was there for two things, surveillance and and now censorship, surveillance and censorship. It's a, the internet is a tube that goes two ways. They started out, they have us, they, the reason they gave us the limited hangout was for the surveillance aspect of it. And now, so Obama was the surveillance president, in my opinion, and Trump, I thought it was going to be Hillary, but whatever, is the censorship president. Mm. So they control all that stuff and uh they so at one time they're going to they can just flip a switch and it's like the totalitarianism is a turnkey state like they have to have all the pieces in place a better analogy is like the red light camera they don't they can watch you from the red light cameras all day long and they could stop you for every single solitary thing you ever do. For Pick sure. your nose, whatever. But they don't because then you would know they were watching every single solitary thing you do. They want to wait until all the cameras are up and all the cops are standing around waiting to, you know, um, unlike gun control, same thing. 
they have to make sure it's all in place before they turn that that key of totalitarianism. So I think they're close to that. So they could actually one day say, all right, we don't even vote anymore. Screw it. This is how it is. And since 50% of the country now works for the government and is armed by the government, then uh, you have no, you can't resist. We can actually implement this through sheer force. And, and mostly because you know that you won't even resist anyway. Yeah. That's I, almost, that, that's so interesting because that's the, I feel like I have the same end, but I feel the other way about government and, and voting like that. Like, like not that, not that they're prepping to turn the switch, but I, I really do believe the more and more that I watch just, I guess the more and more that I watch the different branches of government kind of fumble their way into the future. It's like, I almost feel that we, uh, we're sort of, I, that they're sort of unaware that they keep passing these laws that make everything worse. Like somebody hits a button and you get electrocuted, but and and someone walks in and hits the button and leaves. And then the other guy stumbles in, doesn't know that somebody already pressed the button, <laughs> and now you've been shocked twice. And I really, I don't know, is that naive to feel that it's sort of just... I don't believe in the incompetence canard, I call it. I just don't believe it. I think it's, I think that's the... That's the joke. It's like Kaiser Sose said, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he doesn't exist. Uh-huh. That's, I just feel like they, they've convinced us that they're incompetent, but look, there isn't, planes don't crash at all, ever. So they're really not incompetent. They're doing something really complicated. Yeah. Perfectly. True. Perfectly. Uh, well, that's harder to deal with. <laughs> Oh, welcome to my world of uh, torture. As <laughs> I saw a kid text to my son, they, he said, "Oh, my mom's reading my text. Be careful, because he got in big, big trouble for something." And the kid wrote back, "Welcome to my world of torture." T O R C H E R. Oh God! And I thought this poor kid—he can't even spell torture, but he knows what it is. <laughs> so anyway, now I always chuckle. Like, welcome to my world of torture. Yeah, I just, I get, I get down about this. I like it really. And then, and then like I took kind of a news holiday because for football season, I'm off at WSB because uh, I, I like Saturdays. They don't, they're not like trying to screw me over, but Saturdays when they broadcast college football. So I have, sometimes I have a, uh, like six weeks straight off. So I've been in a kind of news holiday mm. and I mean, the birds still sing. I mean, things are as are, are exactly the same as they were before. So maybe maybe it's not that they people shouldn't vote. It's that they should stop consuming media. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. That I that. think would actually make the difference because you wouldn't be afraid of anything, and you'd be like, "You want to take my what? <laughs> right? <laughs> what for? At well, least- that crazy guy with the beard. It's at- like what crazy guy with the beard? Look around you. <laughs> at least consume enough media where you can just catch one problem that makes you hate the state, and you're good. You're off. You're off. You're you're in well, the same place as your we house. Are. You know, the one problem is your taxes. It's it's the you know what I mean. Like you can when they start encroaching on you, you're like oh, you have to stop that. I'm not actually afraid of any of that stuff. I just feel like they that that actually it, we buy into it because of the constant fear. Yeah. 
And yeah. it, you know, it ruins my enjoyment of life, which gets us back to the craft cocktails. I love <laughs> my craft cocktails. Cocktail look, look number at this, two. Look at this professional, Bert. Look at what this professional does. <laughs> Open, segue, then ties it all back Wow. Up. And uh, I wish I could raise my glass to you right now. I, we should do it in person next time. Man, okay. we, got, we got something to learn. We got to listen back. Yo, Bert, we got to like sit down and we'll, we'll, we'll do another hangout and just listen to this back and just take notes. <laughs> yeah. take notes like, okay, there's, the, there's being intelligent. Well, we got to try that. <laughs> it is fun to do that if you can it is fun but a lot of times you you can't especially when like uh the callers like a terrestrial radio you, they taught me a lot about how to do a great show but then once it starts and the people call you they can take it where they where they want to and then and then it gets really good hmm. oh yeah so what's the what's a what's like the most um I don't want to say belligerent is not the right word, but what's like the most combative caller you've ever had online and or on on your show and you've like been able to handle? Oh, <laughs> that one threw me for a loop. Been able to well, just the other day I had a uh, my my producer found this. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with what was happening in Georgia with the governor's race. The Stacey Abrams was running against Brian Kemp. And if you're a lesser of two evils voter, it, it really, I mean, evil does not even begin to describe the choice that you had here. It was oh, like really? dumb and dumber. No, they weren't dumb, but they're ugh, the worst. I had already done a show on how corrupt and dishonest and uh, what an awful uh Secretary of State, this guy Brian Kemp was, and then all of a sudden he's running against the worst candidate I've ever seen in my life. She acts like she's this grassroots African American female there for you and the under whatever. And meanwhile, she's a member of the Council of Foreign Relations. Huh. She had so many international internships. She went to a like a foundation training uh, camp in high school that prepared her. I mean, she is like the Manchurian candidate. And my sidekick found her uh, this revelation that a long time ago, she was uh, she burned the flag of Georgia and and it was a bad flag. Uh, and she, and it actually set back the cause. They were going to change the flag. And she went bananas right around the Rodney King riots, which she also supposed, you know, may or may not have had a hand in. So she did this thing that set set the cause way back. They didn't change the flag for 10 years, but the flag had a giant Confederate flag on it. And it was done during the age of desegregation. It was a, totally offensive and whatever. So but but we were saying she's a self-serving political operative who was willing to set back the cause in order to make a name for herself as a radical, even though she's an establishment shill dedicated her book to George Soros or something crazy like that. Really like crazy. That's so, so weird to yeah. just think that yeah. someone would do that. <laughs> I know. I was like, really? You're that's, trained in this and you, that's, that's so what you came odd. up with. So, so a couple of people called and were clearly on her side and were just enraged at me for criticizing her for burning the flag. She's like, you wouldn't burn a flag even if it was racist. I said, oh, I have no problem with burning flags. I mean, they are usually symbols of tyranny, oppression, war, invasion. Burn the flag. She should have burned that flag. But um, she what she was doing wasn't promoting the cause of getting rid of that flag. And I got so many 
tweets and emails and stuff like, oh, you handled that beautifully. But the fact is, I really don't enjoy slapping people down. I mean, people want heroes. You know, they want their hope. They don't like. And with the with the racially charged, everything is just put in terms of race and gender and all that kind of crap, you know, just to get you away from the real principles and issues. So you end up being in arguments with people and it, it, it they want to paint you as a bigot, even though you really just want to talk about the issue. So I, I don't even like to win those kind of arguments sometimes. Yeah, but, no, no question. <laughs> you know, and then it's bad. And they do that on purpose. They set it up so that everything <laughs> a guy called me, he said, guy called in and he said, so if a guy won't let you, you know, work in his five and dime unless you have sex with him. You, you that's okay <laughs> what? and I, I was like first of all like what 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 is he paying at the five and dime yeah. <laughs> first of all but i said look that guy doesn't owe me a job mm-hmm. and like everybody in the studio was like did she just say that was okay did she just did she just say and i'm like yes it's okay i'm a libertarian don't yeah. you know and then other people call themselves a libertarian i'm like no 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 you're a conservative who believes in abortion. That's yeah. different. If you right. want to bomb Yemen, you're not a libertarian. Right. <laughs> you know, right. if you think yeah. that guy should have to give me a job, you're not a libertarian. Yep. Fact. Fact. Just <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I was that so that's the kind of thing. And and it, and when it comes to the sexist stuff, I was I did lose my job once in a totally sexist maneuver in a town, uh small no, not a small town, but not New York City where I started my career. And I remember I was a banker and I'm like, look, you don't owe me a job. But like I came here under the because you gave me a job. You gave me a contract. You assured me I would not be discriminated against. And now that you fired me, I can't just open up chick bank. We work harder for less next door to you. I have to go hat in hand to the government and get a charter, which since you just golfed with the mayor, I don't think I'm getting that charter. So so I can come at these sometimes these ideas that have uh, that they want to charge with identity issues just because I'm a chick that I have a little more latitude, I think, with that kind of stuff. But it, but it's very, I really don't like it. And it, and you really end up offending people that you don't mean to. So then another gal called that same show and said, you, you don't think that she's there to protect us? I said, no, she's not. She's there to cause trouble. I said, what was the problem with the Rodney King? Right, the Rodney King problem, the cops out there beat up people who run away from them. And we are all in danger from that. But once you made it a racial issue, 90% of the country is like, well... It's never going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. That's a mistake. You don't want to do that. And then they're just like, you're, you're, they think, you know, I, it's a risk to say anything like that. People can't get their minds around it. They just want to hear either your Tucker Carlson or your Van Jones, but you can't just have a, a point. You know, it's a little hard to, you know what I mean? So, right, right. You and can so, kick it, their asses and they still, they think, you don't make yourself any favors that and, and I just wanted to circle back because you were talking about something that was pretty interesting. And I think it's an interesting angle from a libertarian point of view. If I know enough about it and I think I know just enough, but uh, we, we, we rail against occupational licensure, obviously like that. Not that that's at all controversial. Um, when you were saying you would 
need to uh, seek charter. I assume you're talking about for like a series 86 or a series. No, 87. I was just saying a bank fired me. Yeah. And actually fired every single woman in the office and then asked me right before I got fired if I would testify for them that it was not a sexist environment. And I said, no. <laughs> and they fired me. I said, it is a sexist environment. But, you right. know, if it was your bank and you own it, it would be fine. But you're just a branch of good old boys. And when when I was the policy of the headquarters is not to discriminate on the basis of gender but on performance, which is why I took this job, which is why I was one of the few people who took this job because a lot of the places peddle pro uh, women stuff. And I didn't like that either. Right. But, uh, but there's X number of banks in this country that have charters. It's like the difference between doctors and lawyers. You don't, it's hard to get to open a, a, a medical school. It is not hard to open a law school because of the licensing. So you have way more lawyers than doctors. And and with banks, it really wouldn't work. I don't think it would work too well if you had this overabundance of people with a license to print money or to use fractional reserve banking or, you know what I mean? It's just right. they, they control it on purpose. And it, and that makes them have all the jobs. Right. I want I, I want a fractional reserve bank, you know? I mean, sure, actually, sure, yeah. investment banking, I was in high yield bonds in New York and that actually okay. isn't fractional like you I used to say and they thought I was again nerd a dollar saved a dollar a dollar earned a dollar a uh, dollar saved a dollar lent a dollar earned, a dollar spent, something like that. It was all, I made up a little jingle about how it was totally moral. I remember when they used to interview me, like, don't you want to save the world? You're a chick. And I'd be like, no, I want, I want to finance the world. You know? <laughs> Make the world a better place for toothbrushes and, you know, hats. So, because I, we, we do high yield bonds are for smaller companies. And, uh, but you would, there was no fractional reserve. You'd go to a bond fund and they would give you $100 million, which you would give to the, company and they would pay back 110 whenever you know year later and it was told in my opinion they, they talked about investment bankers being sharks in my opinion these were the junk bond guys they to me they were the most moral people on wall street mm -hmm, i thought they, mm -hmm. were, they were right on but and you do you should, maybe you don't need a charter for that but i have a feeling <laughs> you do well but that yeah i mean my point is just that you you can you in a really truly free market, merit would win and you you wouldn't have the privilege that people who want quotas and affirmative action and stuff are railing against. You wouldn't have the privilege is the problem. Get don't transfer the privilege, just eliminate the privilege. Right. Right. Man. Yeah. No question. No question. And uh, you know, introducing competition into any scenario is 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 ultimately just it it's it's great, and it's even better the further down the totem pole you go. Uh, what do you mean? You know, so. But what does that mean? What do you mean? What are you saying? But the, oh, I, down I, the totem just pole. introducing competition, free market competition is is great. Um, well, I mean, I you know we would argue that it's it's a better scenario for everyone. Well, I I guess except for say the president of the United States, like you know obviously <laughs> they yeah. would have to go start producing. But uh, the the because it's competing forces trying to serve a customer or a consumer um those lower on the totem pole both have greater access to to available yes. work and yes. also 
people competing over over them for to serve them and give them products. Yes, I totally agree. I've thought of that too, where it's just this race to the bottom levels the playing field to the point, it's not to use too many cliches in a row, but to le- levels the playing field to the point where everybody is, is, people are just making their own widgets all over the place and selling them for like a penny to everybody else and everybody has everything, you mm-hmm. know? And yeah. money, you don't need you don't need money to be a hundred times the quantity it was a hundred years ago at all. You know, you know, if you look at from 1800 to 1900 money there, I think there's basically no inflation wages went up and prices stayed flat. It's very hard to find this information, but I've, and it's been a long time since I've looked at it, but that's as I recall. And then when you look at the 20th century, the wages go up, but prices go up way more. And and it's just it, it is it, they act like they needed the volume of money they needed to increase the quantity of money to g- grease the wheels but the 19th century was very productive and it was so productive that the productivity outpaced the demand for currency. Yeah, yeah, you right? know it's an so interesting. Prices just went down. A, an interesting exercise is to go back and look at the the, the average you know housing cost. In terms of gold, uh, or, you know, around the turn of the century, um, the, the you know the twentieth century, obviously, um, and compare it to now, and and it's is a really fascinating exercise. Now, there's a couple anomalies you have to dodge. I think there's like a, um, well, you don't even have to dodge them. It's just uh, you know make sure to to average out information because I think there's a I think there's a, a quick recession in 06 or set nineteen oh six or nineteen oh seven um that may affect so just be you you know for anybody going to do it go take a sample of a number of years between say 1900 and 1910 or even better 1900 to whenever the federal reserve was found in 1913 and then and look at the dollar amount for one house look at the gold amount for one house and then look at the dollar amount for a house in 2018 and the gold amount for a house in 2018 and it is staggering Staggering. Uh, I love that stuff. And I also thought with gold, like it, you can get more gold out of the ground to keep up. It's just more expensive. You know, it just, it mm-hmm. can keep up. It's so, I, I just love the elegance of it. You know, it's almost like enough to make you believe in a higher power that gave us everything we needed to be right. happy and productive. And we managed to let it go. But yeah, that gold stuff, I love looking at stuff like that. I absolutely adore it, but it's hard to, I, I find I'm not maybe great at research and then i think they try to make it difficult on purpose to yeah i agree kind of data. it's like try to find um data on like police brutality and shootings right. and all those kind of statistics very difficult and even guns and stuff people are like oh if you let the cdc do your gun research you'd have all the information you needed <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah yeah I, that's you <laughs> know not what i have in mind Anytime I'm, anytime I'm using anything like that, like say for, you know, from uh, Fred or, you know, St. Louis federal reserve or, you know, charts or whatever, or, or CDC or what have you, you know, it's always, (laughs) I always feel uh, compelled to, to, um, make sure that everybody knows that they would be incentivized to actually go the other way with the information. And yet here we are, you know, um, it, you know, even, even though they're incentivized to, to, yes, to, yes, fall, yes. to, to like, yes, it's these against their up. interest. Yeah. It's against their interest. That's the only time you can use that. And then people will go using the CDC. I thought you said they couldn't be trusted. I'm like, they can't deny this. Right. They can't right. deny it. Even though possible. they would be incentivized right, would to, to, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think that was, 
covered quite a bit of ground. I've only listened to it once so far, but I'm really looking forward to the next let's <laughs> go through. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, Bert, Bert, you got anything? You, uh, uh, you know, I, I had, a, I do. I want to take it back to the beginning because the the beginning of this, I think we, you know, we were talking about terrestrial radio as opposed to podcasts. And I do, uh, maybe we just so we can tie the knot. You you left off on a part that, and and we never got back to it, which I think is really fascinating. What do you think? And maybe, and as a libertarian, I think this is a really important question to ask and understand <clears throat> for all the new people who want to do radio. What do you think is the difference, what do you allow, what do you, what do you think is the biggest difference between what you do on radio and what you do in podcast? Who are you targeting more of in either? And, and where do you feel like, what do you feel like the most positive parts of either are? Okay. Um, well, I'm probably stupid to think of it this way, but I always feel like no holds barred with the podcast. I'll tell you whatever I think. And um, and once I did hit a few things at one time and uh, and people were just like, I don't know what it was. I was like talking about the moon landing, 9-11, <laughs> okay. and something spicy. It's like, oh. I, did I go too far? <laughs> I went too far. We, we did an episode on the moon landing, and it is our most popular episode for some reason. We can't figure out why. So the moon must be a very uh, hot topic. Yeah. It is. And I, I mean, these are the kind of things that, this is what I say to my kids. I'm just like, I don't know, man. I think it's weird that they got the rocket up there, and then those guys <laughs> like jumped off. And then got back in a rocket and shot back up and came back and they didn't even have like the computing power of an iPhone. Like we, I just, I just need like to get you back on I to do someone, a conspiracy episode about this. <laughs> yeah. Why conspiracy? I, I'm just saying. I think the onus is on the people who are telling us th this stuff to explain it a little better. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I just I like to throw that stuff out there. It, I out. mean, it's kind of related because I do feel like in podcasts, that's the kind of stuff that you can definitely get away with because people are right. have to seek you out. They have to seek it out instead of just turning the radio on. It's a pull, not a push. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah. so when people listen to WSB, they tell my boss, I need to get off their radio. Right. <laughs> Nobody, Nobody says you need to get off your own podcast. Yes, they right. cannot say that, although I do get heckled by trolls <laughs> on the podcast. But yeah, so I think the, the number one thing is that it's a pull, not a push, which means everybody wants to hear what you have to say. Yeah. So you never have to start with what Shep Smith just said, mm -hmm. the shepherd of the people. You never have to start with what he said. Explain libertarianism. Explain the difference between facts and propaganda. And then tell them why you're not 100% sure that Putin personally shot down MH13 over Ukraine. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Like then That like, takes the whole entire show to get from point A to point B. Right. Whereas on a podcast, I can say, did you see the fake passports? Falling out of MH13, you know, like and yeah, people yeah, will, yeah. I mean, this is a little dated, but you can, what people, people want to hear kind of how you've puzzled through things they haven't figured out, or maybe what do you really think about what really happened today? It, it, you know, so like the podcast thing, people want you to kind of, you're all on the same page and they want your particular angle or insight. 
mm-hmm. because to help them understand. I had a, the greatest email I ever got was when a guy wrote to me and he said, I agree with only about half of what you say. <laughs> and that's why I love listening to you. Okay. And I love that's that. Good. Yeah. So yeah. you want to puzzle through it. And that the podcast goes a little deeper in that way. Uh, the radio thing, absolutely, without question, the best part about it is the callers create an intellectual discipline uh, whether they mean to or not, sometimes right. they do. I mean, I have been told I get the smartest callers because people really, uh, they're motivated to call because they, I'm talking fast and they're like, you're wrong or you're right or whatever. And it, and But you have to be really disciplined because you know someone's going to call you out. You've got 40,000 people listening, uh, you know, on any given weekend day and those people are, you know, somebody's going to call you if you say something really off the wall. So you gotta, you gotta be very disciplined. The target audience. Yeah. I mean, with the, with the radio, with the terrestrial radio and the famous observation of Howard Stern, you don't, uh, the people who, who hate you listen longer than the people who love you. So, so with the terrestrial radio, you're really not you're not trying to preach to the choir with the podcast is people who uh, already like you, I think. Uh, yeah. So that's the target is like people who sense. think like you and people who maybe hate what you're saying. And. Um, what do you remember what the third thing was? That you told me to think about? <laughs> I feel like you covered all of it in that. Yeah, well, I wrote yeah. something down. I can't read it. That, uh, <laughs> it said that you that what what would you tell like uh, somebody who's interested in it or something? Yeah, I, I was thinking your explanation would give the hints to what uh, someone who was interested in in doing it would want to hear. So yeah, I, I I would say this one thing that I first of all the te- for the podcasting the technical stuff is really a bear. You know, it's just very it's much harder than it seems to mm. get it to sound good. I think so that it's not as easy as it seems, but uh, I I would say, and I've lost the energy to do this, but the most valuable thing you can do is just go back and listen to yourself. If you just go back and listen to yourself, you will be, you'll know what's wrong with it and yeah, that's you'll just get better. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's helpful. I mean, even uh, for us, Bert, I mean, obviously you've been doing yeoman's work doing the, the production stuff, uh, but we've, we've, I feel like our podcast has come, in terms of audio quality, has just come a, a mile. Yeah, I actually I listened to a few samplings over. I mean, we've been in contact for a while, but I, like I, I never noticed any anything but excellent audio quality from you guys. But oh, I, I don't do it. My guy does it. Binkley does it, and uh, and yeah, we my, still my guy does it too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I do it. <laughs> Yeah. I know you do, but I—it's really excellent, and I, and that is—it's critical because people can't listen to stuff that aggravates them, and uh, so it's just people underestimate. When I'll tell you, when I hear a podcast that comes out of the gate uh, sounding absolutely perfect, and then shortly thereafter, it's got like ten thousand listeners or a YouTube channel like that. I'm like, okay, this guy, there's somebody behind him. And then mm-hmm. I I'll always try to figure out where they came from. And I'm always, it's always true. That alone. So, oh, I, sh- I hate to tell people how, how I, what the tells are. I shouldn't, te- I shouldn't say what the tells are because Uh-oh. trolls are very sophisticated. And if you tell them how you can tell that they're disinformation, they can correct it. 
Oh. You understand what I'm saying? I try never to say stuff like that. Wow. We j- that was Okay. That was a that was a kind of a tease actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, we just gotta, we got to figure out what the, what they are now. <laughs> yeah. No, I I it's true like um damn trolls. I I doubt but well, I don't know, but like what trolls will do on my WSB show, they'll start if a caller starts by saying I'm a libertarian and I love your show. I literally will say, oh, boy, here it comes Yep, because he's a troll. I know it. And uh, and a few things like that come up and I can always tell. But I try not to signal that because then they're going to cut. They're going to get rid of those tells and then I'll have to suffer through the call before I realize and have an anxiety attack. Or <laughs> right. Because it, it might be real. It might not be real. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's that just ha- like. I feel like there's that that sentence structure that's like I believe in the non-aggression principle, but or or like, yes, God. I used to be a libertarian so like that. I don't think that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Once the scales fall back, I believe me. I've tried to get them back on, and you can't. Right, right. Um, man, that was that was really great. That was yeah. really great, Bird. Uh, do we, I mean do do we have any like I this is I just feel like we've 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 run the gamut and we've uh covered some really great topics and had a really great discussion yeah we maybe will uh think of other things and maybe if i can i really want to contribute a an exotic cocktail recipe but um not too complicated i gave you one on the air but i want to maybe give you a signature cocktail Uh oh for for our podcast yeah Oh, okay. Let me think about. It. Wait, when, like when you come on, but you like, when you come on again to talk nine eleven conspiracy, you gonna you yeah, gonna have yeah. to give us another. Oh my gosh. So. Okay. Uh, give me what? Give me some some guidance. What do you like? All right, it's got to And I'm gonna invent a cocktail. For all right, you. Car. What do we both like? Well, you and I both don't like sweet. Yeah, I don't like sweet. Other than that, I'm just a I'm a trash can man. He, Are you? A, uh, oh, he likes. Oh God! Can you do something with pumpkin spice? <laughs> Ooh! Really? Are you serious? Yeah, I think we both like pumpkin spice. spice. Are you serious? He that's like, a, that's so trendy. I'm he thinking, likes pumpkin spice, and I hate it. But I I've been willing to try. <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you. It's been a trend in my life since 1988. Like, I, <laughs> there has never been a time where I don't love pumpkin. I just <laughs> love pumpkin. You were original hipster white. I'm the original hipster oh, man. Okay, I can do that. Yes, right. I can absolutely so do that. I know how spice, to make a simple syrup. Pumpkin spice, and I guess we can't fit gin in there, can we? So yes, sure. Oh, okay, fine. Oh, and then, and then my only <laughs> we don't have to do everything. I'm just throwing out ideas. I would <laughs> okay. say whiskey is probably wi- <laughs> bur- like bourbon. Gin and just you, a whole lot of pumpkin. We're gonna mix well, pumpkin spice. I'm not mixing gin and bourbon. I'm sorry. I draw the line there. Pumpkin okay. spice but, uh, with the bourbon will be easier. And and, God, we are trash. But I can tell you right now, it'll go well with clementine juice. Okay. Which I don't know if you know what a clementine is, but it's like orange. Using a clementine orange. is like milking a cat. Yeah, you have to you know really get in there. A lot of clementines to make a couple of cocktails. Okay. Uh. There's going to be some boiling. I'm sorry. Boiling? Boiling. Hmm. I got to boil the spice into brown sugar and water, make the simple syrup out of the oh, spicy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. Okay, You're okay. never going to make it, though. <laughs> That's no, the I, I, Monica, I will, I will make it 
and I will send a picture of it by Christmas. That is a that's a promise. Wow. Okay. So, Gosh, I better so, get on it. I was kind of thinking next Christmas, but so okay. give us the part by part. <laughs> give us the Yikes. part by give us the part by part breakdown of that, just so we can have it. So because I'm gonna try and make it. <laughs> you want to now? I can tell you right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How oh, many oh, parts? Oh, were we thinking you... off the air so we don't so we don't spoil it? Oh no, I want to give it to the listeners. Yeah, right let's it, let's spread it. We, we're about spreading the love here. At, uh, I'll yeah. tell you right now. Here's the thing. I'm going to give you a key. I can tell you exactly what to do. Perfect. Just about every drink you make, you can use this formula. Make two at a time. Five ounces of booze, two and a half ounces of citrus, and one and a half ounce of your syrup. Strong. So for yeah. your drink, I would make. Uh, five ounces of bourbon. I like Eagle Rare is a good one for this kind of a drink. Okay. And then uh, the clementine juice would be your citrus. And then your syrup would be, I would boil for 10 minutes. And I forget what else is in there. But uh, you can put brown sugar, half brown sugar, half water by weight and as much spice as you like. Boil it for like 10 minutes until it's clear, you know, not fully absorbed. Cool it down. Shake it in a glass with ice and strain it into uh, hmm. a coupe. That sounds really good. Oh, it's fa- I'm gonna run right home. <laughs> sounds really, it's like really a guy good. I knew who used to get like his favorite porn magazine on Wednesdays, and like you'd try to have lunch with the guy on a Wednesday, and he's just like, "I gotta go." <laughs> so that's our fall. That has to be our fall cocktail, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we have for okay. you. Yes. Fall yeah, cocktail. I dig it. I dig it. Well, I'm yes, gonna... and it'll be orange. Ooh, oh, that's yeah. Right. Uh, well, I'm going to go through every effort to make one before Christmas. This I'm going to make one tonight. I don't know. I'm gonna... <laughs> hey, there you go. There you go. All right. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to DM you a, uh, a, I'll post a it more, in the description of this episode. A masterful, yeah. Better, like more refined. That's just oh, okay. off the top of my head, but Perfect. let me send you something on DM that you can, if you're really going to boil sugar, I better make sure the proportions are right. Okay. Awesome. Good. Awesome. Okay. How fun. Right. See, well, that is what I love. Thanks so much for for coming on and sharing all this and having a discussion with us. I think I, I had a I had an absolute blast. Um, is there is there anything you want to plug? I mean, I you have a million more listeners than we do, but just in case, is there anything you want to plug for for your radio, for website, blog, cocktail? No, my whatever? dang WordPress kneecapped <laughs> me. I can't. Uh, I feel like I'm. You know, it's over. So we're we're gonna come back. We're gonna come back. We have somebody helping with us, so it, it will come back. But my WSB show has been off for um, football most of the time. It's coming back in December, uh, but uh, I have this. If you go to Propaganda Report Daily, or it's on Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N, is where our feed is of mm. the Propaganda Report, which I love. I also, that's what the podcast I do. I would say, if people want to listen to my show for the first time, uh, the best episode I can think of right um, right now, I, and I think it might have been my best episode, full stop, was I believe it's episode 111. It was a, uh, I'm going to double check right now. That'd be crazy if it was episode 911. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it was a, um, it was an episode about, uh, it was about Kavanaugh and Cosby. And I believe it's episode 111. Let me make sure. Because it was a great episode. You guys will, um, it's so typical of what what I like about my show is that everybody's listening. They think they know all about Bill Cosby. I bet you think he was he went to jail for slipping chicks roofies. Hmm. He did not. He did really, not. I see. 
Monica, I'm at the point where I just see something like this and, and bird can attest. I just, I'm like, Nope. Don't want to know. Yeah. Don't care. Like, yeah. like yeah. I, I have yeah. absolutely no clue what is going on in, in, in like the world. Yes. Yes. I'm like that too. That's why I loved having the news break because yeah. I'm like, it's all fake. My mom's like, you say everything is fake. I'm like, it is fake. I said, it's not, it's not that everything is fake mom, but everything that is emitted from your glowing box is fake. Right. And that's yep. all the glowing box <laughs> being the television. Yep, yep. At the very least, it's spun. Yeah, I mean, everything's manufactured. Everything's, you know, yeah. Um, uh, but no, wait. Just out of curiosity, now, now I'm curious. What did yeah. Bill Cosby go to jail for? Well, what he ha- what he did was he he stockpiled quaaludes over the years, what? and he and he lured women. He seduced women with the promise of quaaludes. They came oh. intentionally to eat his quaaludes. And they knew damn well what the price of a quaalude was. And and the chick who uh, got the better of him was heard plotting against him fraudulently. And the witness that heard it was denied uh, a spot on his trial, which is, I don't know what amendment that is, Fifth or Sixth Amendment. It, it's a whole bunch of things like that. So, yeah, it's uh, episode 111. It's my September 7th that's, WSB That's show. a very interesting topic. That is very interesting. That's Yeah, everybody's sure up that's... in arms about Kavanaugh. You're never going to be denied your right to be a Supreme Court justice, but you might be denied your First Amendment, Fifth, Sixth, the Eighth Amendment, Cruel and Unusual Punishment. It's an excellent episode. Interesting. Highly recommend. Yeah, that's, wow. that's fascinating. I gotta, I'll definitely give that a listen. And right, also, I'll, I'll w- I would like to note that Bill Cosby, The Promise of Quaaludes, I hope is his biography. Like that, that, <laughs> the, I, that, that phrase, uh, the pro- they were lured to his apartment. It's such a Bill Cosby drug, is why that's so funny. Quaaludes were very popular back in the day. People I know. would give their right arm, they would stop making them. Yeah. They, I know, it's, they were like light bulbs back then. It's funny to like hear now. I mean, I'm not that young. I, you know, I'm 30, but like that, the Quaaludes were just never, you just hear it. You're like, that just sounds so goofy. <laughs> Yeah, you, no. People did you were, just I told, did you just describe quaaludes as as popular as light bulbs? Are light bulbs like in your vernacular now that you collect them? <laughs> no, you got no idea, Monica. I was and I hoping you would get that. We got we got stockpiles. Scarcity. <laughs> yep. We know this guy. Stock, we know this guy who can't stock, stop talking about tractors. This it must be something like you get fixated and and then it's just yeah. it's just in your vocabulary. <laughs> light I'm bulbs. Ashamed. I'm ashamed of my excessive light bulb collection. Ne- I, mean, I don't know why you would be ashamed. It's very unique. <laughs> I'm sitting here right now, and, my, and I looked at my computer screen. I, I looked at my computer screen, and, and my hand had just opened up an Amazon tab, and, and sure enough, <laughs> light, light bulbs. I, you know, it's, it's one <laughs> light bulb went off. Yeah. All right, boys, thank you so much for having me. That was You're awesome. I'm going to DM you a couple of things this episode and, uh, and a nice um, pumpkin salad. Perfect. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thanks much for coming on. And, uh, yep, until next week, two hands on the wheel. Whoa! Later. Awesome.